Two more teams punched their tickets to the postseason. The Seattle Mariners struck back, and we say goodbye to a very chatty Hall of Famer. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB. As I adjust my microphone, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. And I've been a member of the Lockdown Podcast Network for the last five years. And we're wrapping up. This is the final week of this regular season. And the postseason's right around the corner. But ah, there's something special about the regular season in baseball. Follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I am your pal Sully. I'm, I am at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Or whatever the heck it's called now. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, weird things are happening in the podcasting landscape. I, if you're, I listen to podcasts via Google Podcasts. I'm not sure how that's going to exist anymore. But uh, you know, follow us on YouTube and everything like that. And we'll, you know, wherever you get your podcast, you're going to get a hold of us. Uh, I did a kind of an emergency episode because last night I, I just could not pull an episode off. So I did one this afternoon from a classroom. And uh, so here I am. I'm recording this one. Uh, late in the evening of the 26th of September, 2023, it's probably going to drop on the 27th. Uh, I did ask a trivia question. It had to do with teams that were on the verge of winning the pennant. And someone was on the verge of being the league championship series MVP twice in his career when twice his teams had epic collapses in Game 7, denying him any hardware. And I asked which former Pittsburgh Pirate starter, who would have been the MVP of the 92 NLCS had it not been for the Francisco Cabrera single, and then later would have been the MVP of an American League Championship Series. But that team had a disastrous collapse in Game 7 of that League Championship Series. Who was it? Uh, John Murphy Jr. and Craig Brindle got it correct. It's Melbourne, Florida's own Tim Wakefield. Tim Wakefield pitched two complete victories as a member of the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1992, and the Pirates lost that on the Francisco Cabrera single. He spent the bulk of his career with the Boston Red Sox, had some ups, had some downs, but would have been the ALCS MVP in 2003 because he got two key victories as a starting pitcher but then Grady Little had brain lock uh decided not to take Pedro out and the Yankees rallied and in a cruel irony it was Wakefield who led up the home run to Aaron Boone to end the series so the image we have of Wakefield in that series is walking off the mound with his head down he was remarkable in that series uh Wakefield later got his revenge by pitching brilliantly out of the bullpen in the 2004 ALCS, 
earning his world his first of two World Series rings because he also pitched for the 2007 Red Sox and uh, was in the starting rotation that year's ALCS. So there's your answers, Tim Wakefield. I got an interesting comment from one of my everyday Sully listeners, uh, the most optimistic Yankee fan in the world, Robert DeMarco, who uh, I still think is uh, holding out hope that the Yankees make the postseason. I hate to break it to you, Robert. Um, but he wrote to me, he says, as a baseball fan for only seven years, I know absolutely none of the trivia questions. Okay, well, guess what, Robert? Later on, I'm going to do a trivia question about today's game, about the game as it, yeah, as it exists today. Now, as a Yankee fan, you may not like the question I'm going to ask, but maybe it's one you'll get. Uh, by the way, Red Sox fans, Yankee fans, St. Louis Cardinal fans, uh, we're all going to be watching the playoffs without our teams in it. That's the first time since the wild card was inst was uh, instituted. The first year we had the wild card was uh, 94, but there was the World Series was canceled that year. Uh, and the whole postseason was canceled that year. So the first year we had a completed wild card postseason was 1995. Both the Red Sox and the Yankees were in it that year. Cardinals were in it in 96. Some combination of Red Sox, Cardinals, Yankees have appeared in every single one of the wild card era postseasons until now. Until now. The Yankees and Red Sox had appeared in every postseason in the wild card era, with the exception of 2014. Uh, the Cardinals made it all the way to the League Championship Series that year. So we're no Cardinals, no Red Sox, no Yankees. So people who complain that the Red Sox and Yankees are in it too much, rejoice. Rejoice. Reminds me of uh, a couple of years ago, I heard someone say, uh, you know, and I, I, I hate that the Yankees and the Dodgers win the World Series every year. And I said to them, well, you must feel really great because of the last 20 years, each of them only won one. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Uh, lots of the teams are in the middle of a scrum, uh, and we've had two um, kind of one-sided games between Houston and Seattle uh, in their showdown series. But one, the first one-sided game went the way of Justin Verlander and the Houston Astros. Uh, it looked like it was going to be more of the same when the Astros put a bunch of runners on base in the first inning. But give Kirby some credit. He got out of the first inning jam, and then the Astros just played very sloppy baseball. I mean, there, you know, the, the Mariners showed some good power, um, but there were like twice there were relay throws to third base that rolled into the dugout that scored runs for the Mariners. Teoscar Hernandez got a big hit and made a great catch against the right field wall. Ty France got a big home run. In the end, it was the Mariners defeating the Houston Astros 6-2. to two. And so they struck back. And so we have basically uh, a huge swing series uh, that's going to happen, a swing game, sorry, that's going to happen tomorrow afternoon here in, in uh, the West Coast. It'll be late at night in the, uh, on the East Coast. It's going to be Miller versus Valdez. Uh, that's anyone's guess right now. I mean, it's, it's both, you know, Miller's been up and down. Valdez has been up and down. Whoever wins this game, I mean, the, the Mariners could leapfrog the Astros and have, and the Astros would be, 
on the outside looking in going into the final weekend of the seat of the season and they have to pass the Mariners. They can't finish the season tied with the Mariners. They have to pass them. So that's a critical game for the Houston Astros. Um, but it's, it's also critical for Seattle because that, you know, this is, they're going to be playing Texas and Texas has something on their mind, which is to win the freaking division. That is true. That is who they're playing, right? Or if I lost my mind, that's a distinct possibility that I've lost my mind. Uh, there would be, yeah, see, I was playing Texas. That's right. I haven't lost, I may have lost my mind, but that's not the reason why. And the Rangers have the Mariners number and the Rangers want to win the division so they can rest up and, you know, skip over all this wild card round or the, yeah, the, yeah, the wild card series. So, uh, big game, big game tomorrow. And really, could shape the entire American League postseason. We saw the Toronto Blue Jays play a very weird game against the Yankees where they, they were controlling most of the game and some of the Yankees rallied to win that. So that pulled, you know, that was a, a big loss for the the Blue Jays who could have just put some distance between themselves and Houston. Uh, there's two games in the loss column separate those two. It's probably, the Blue Jays are still in pretty decent shape. The uh, the the Texas Rangers did reduce their magic number to win the American League West outright to three, even though they got clobbered by the Otaniless, Troutless, hell, Bobby Gritchless Angels. But uh, lo and behold, they were able to you know chip away one more one more day, one more day where they and and. They'll chip away at least one against either Houston or Seattle tomorrow because they're going to be playing each other. So it's going to be an interesting day of American League, a big American League games going on on Wednesday, uh, not the least of which you have, I mean, the the Red Sox who were just, you know, they, they, they fell behind and, they made it a game late, but, you know, the, the Rays are just better. Um, and the Orioles are playing the Nats. The Orioles are looking to clinch the division outright, and the magic number to do that is three. So there you go. Interesting night for the American League, but it was an even crazier night in the National League. And we're going to get to that once we hear from some of our friends. All right, look at. I know I'm lucky. I know that I have my hair, and that's a good thing. But do you know what? My hair is getting a little thinner as I've passed the 50-year mark, and sometimes I wonder how much more time do I have with my uh, my follicles on my head. Well, you don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole-body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Men think that losing their hair is inevitable. Take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. And if you're tired of weakening or thinning hair and you want your hair to reach its full potential, the leading hair growth supplement, Nutrafol, helps improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp 
coverage. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements are physician-formulated, natural, science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free, patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. Go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take their hair wellness quiz. Identify the causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better health. Say that three times fast. Through whole body wellness. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning such as stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, metabolism, through whole body health. And it works. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering a listener $10 off the first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men, enter the promo code LOCKEDONMLB. Find out why 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men. Enter promo code LOCKEDONMLB. That's Nutrafol.com slash men, promo code Locked on MLB. A couple of interesting things happened in the National League. First of all, let's just take the first thing, which is a little more, uh, a little easier to digest. The Philadelphia Phillies, who are, lest we forget, the defending National League champions, won a dramatic walk-off game against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And it was... uh, the Johan Rojas, the rookie who was not part of the postseason roster last year, got the walk-off hit with the ghost runner on base in the 10th inning, defeating the Pirates 3-2. to two. And with that, the Phillies are have punched their ticket to the postseason in 2023. And they are looking very good. They can hit. They do a very good pitching. Um, as it stands right now, and for, you know, the National League wild card is a weird thing. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies would play the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the Diamondbacks who lost a dumb game to uh, – uh, I'm sorry, the, the Diamondbacks did win their game. Sorry, they lost a dumb game yesterday. They won today big over the Chicago White Sox. So they have a one-game lead over Chicago, the Diamondbacks. But the Phillies have punched their card, and they're going to be the top wildcard team. There's no, there's not enough games in the, the season – for them to fall to the second spot. So they will play whoever the the second wildcard team is. As I said, right now, it's the Diamondbacks. Uh, that would be an interesting series. You know, Zach Gallon has pitched very well, but the Phillies have good pitching. The Phillies have good hitting. Both teams, are, it's, I think that would be a pretty evenly matched series. Um, I might lean a little towards Philadelphia right now, but I think it really depends on which Zach Gallon shows up. Uh, and this, Gallon's pitched quite well in his last couple of starts. So, you know, maybe he's back to being Cy Young caliber, Zach Gallon. But the Phillies certainly can hit, and, and they've come through in big time. All right. Um, the the Brewers were had the magic number down to one, but they're having a hard time clinching that National League Central. And the Cubs had images of a showdown dancing in their head. But also... 
the Cubs are holding on to that final wild card spot. So, yeah, they wanted to win the division, but they also just want to get to the postseason. And they're playing the Atlanta Braves, who, let's face it, have nothing to play for. They, I mean, they are going to, in all, I mean, unless they just lose the rest of their games, the Dodgers win the rest of their games, the the 100-win Braves are going to be the number one seed in the National League. So there's not a lot to be playing for right now. And the Cubs had a lead late, which was making Brewers fans angry because the Brewers were wetting the bed in a game against the St. Louis Cardinals. And then it happened. Seiya Suzuki is a fine player, good defensive player, good hitter. It's been a fine acquisition for the Chicago Cubs. Um, and the Cubs had a lead with two outs in the eighth inning. And um, I forget who was who the heck was the batter. Um, Sean Murphy, the catcher for Atlanta, with two outs hit a fly ball to center field. Cody Bellinger and Seiya Suzuki are in the outfield there. Suzuki called off Cody Bellinger and then just didn't catch the ball. It was just plunk. Ball dropped in. The tying run came in. The go-ahead run came in. The Cubs lost the game. And it was an absolute heartbreaking clunker of a screw-up from Suzuki. And one that if... The Cubs miss the playoffs, and they are right now only a half game ahead of Miami, who play twice on Wednesday. They play twice because they have to play a doubleheader because the game was rained out today with the Mets. And they are only a game and a half behind Cincinnati, who managed to win today. Boy, I wonder if those big losses over the weekend are going to come back to haunt the Reds. The Cubs don't have a very strong hold on that third wildcard spot. They can't really be in a position to literally drop the ball. And I was thinking about something when that happened, when Suzuki just dropped the ball. And his teammates, everyone's saying the right thing, we stand by him. What are they going to say? What are they going to say? Oh, what an a-hole. He dropped the ball. But it was it's going to be one of those clips that you see, like, oh, oh, the buffoonery of it. And some, something popped into my mind. Uh, as an unabashed Boston fan, when the Red Sox won in 04, yeah, there was a euphoria. We all cried. We thought about our grandparents and blah, 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 blah. The real advantage of winning the World Series as a Boston fan was when there came moments of a, just a bone-crushing loss possibly season-crushing loss, it no longer became a metaphysical event. It no longer was, oh my God, the gods are against us. It became, we lost a baseball game instead of the forces of nature are trying to destroy our soul. When the Red Sox collapsed in one of the most epic collapses I've ever seen, In 2011, where they couldn't win a game, it was the beer and video games and fried chicken. It was uh, Carl Crawford diving for the ball and falling on his face and all that stuff. It was one of the worst collapses in baseball history. And yet, as crushing as that was, it was not a moment of, 
we will never experience joy. It was mainly, oh, man, I wanted to win that year. But I had experience of winning the World Series. At that point, I had them winning the, experience winning the World Series twice. And two years after that, they won the third time. And so for your Cub fan, and this happens, and the ball drops in, and that's going to be, oh, God, what a horrible thing. You cannot edit that in with 2003. You cannot edit that in with 84. You cannot edit that in with 1969 or Billy Goats or any of that crap. That's all over. Now it's just a loss. And this is the advantage. That's the advantage of when this happens, that it's no longer, oh, God, will I ever? Actually, I did. Yeah, I did experience happiness. If Jason Kipnis had hit that home run in the bottom of the ninth of Game 7 of the World Series in 2016, keeping the Billy Goat curse afloat, then this would have compounded with the ball going through Leon Durham's legs. Notice I'm not saying Bartman, because that guy deserved no pain. It should have been the whole, you know, Gonzalez booting the, the ball. It should have been Dusty Baker not taking out Pryor, even though he was getting smacked around. And the and blowing the lead in Game Seven as well. All those things compounded, compounded, compounded. Not anymore. So if you're a Cub fan, does this stink? You bet it stinks. Does it sting? You bet it stings. But is it a metaphysical moment? The answer is no. Now the Cubs could very well miss the postseason altogether this year. It's a distinct possibility. And if they do, the Seiya Suzuki ball falling in is going to be a kick to the groin. But it won't be a moment to stare at the sky and shake your fist at the heavens. Because in the end, they just lost the game. Okay, let's talk a little bit about our friends at Jace Medical. Modern medical care and treatment are important, but our global supply chains, they're fragile. Things like pandemics, natural disasters, and foreign aid, they may cut you off from the treatment that you need. Jace Medical is your solution. And guess what? It can be done online. All right? People may be in situations where they're cut off from the doctors, they're cut off from the medications they need, and they can't get appointments for days. Well, with all the barriers in front of you, Jace Medical creates your solutions. Go online. Fill out a form. Then you can get prescription life-saving medication delivered right to your door. The Jace case gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to the medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using code Locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. For those of you who follow the podcast and follow stuff I do at Sully Baseball, you know that I do the in memoriam video. I used to do it at the All-Star Game, and I now do it at the beginning of the season. I started with the beginning of the season, uh, starting with the COVID year. And Inevitably, there you know there are big, huge names that are in the the montage. Um, the the final. Uh, I mean, last year we had a 
couple of Hall of Famers, including Gaylord Perry and Bruce Souter. We had the great Maury Wills, who was in this, and I ended with Vin Scully. On uh, years past, I ended with like Hall of Famers like Henry Aaron, Al Kaline, uh, Roy Halladay was one year, Yogi Berra was one year, Frank Robinson was one year, uh, Jose Fernandez, and who died in that horrible boat accident. Oh, I miss Jose Fernandez. God, I was, I was such a big Jose Fernandez fan. And, you know, sometimes, you know, when a major baseball figure dies, part of me kicks in. I said, I wonder, okay, what am I going to do in the, in the memoriam? And a real big one um, it went today, and that was Brooks Robinson. Now, Brooks Robinson was a great player. Uh, there's no getting around his, his his greatness as a player. He was, uh, if there is a uh, a pantheon of great uh, third basemen, like the greatest third baseman of all time, uh, he would have to be in the conversation. Uh, not just for uh, his great uh, offensive abilities. He had, a, he had a great offensive career, but he also was just a defensive you know, he was, he was called the human vacuum cleaner and he was the, uh, he was a 10 time all-star. He was a 16 time gold glove winner. Remember that if you're doing uh, the uh, immaculate grid, uh, he was the MVP of the American league in 1964 uh, when he was the, the most dazzling defensive infielder in baseball while driving in 118 runs and batting 317 have an OPS of 889 in a pitcher's era. And he played 23 years, all with the Baltimore Orioles. Only one other person has played 23 seasons, all with one team. That should be the trivia question. But I promised Robert DeMarco that I was going to do one that was in his wheelhouse. So you know what? I'll say that. Maybe that'll be tomorrow's trivia question. But uh, anyway. Um, he also was a big part of the 1966 World Series champion Baltimore Orioles. Uh, you have to understand the significance of that championship. The Orioles used to be the St. Louis Browns. The St. Louis Browns were the most inept team in baseball history. They only made it to the World Series once, and that was during World War II when most of the best players were, you know, serving our country. There's a bunch of four F players were in there. And the one year they went to the World Series, they had to share the stadium and the spotlight with the St. Louis Cardinals. So the one time they were able to, to shed the shadow of the Cardinals, they had to share it with them because it was an all St. Louis World Series. And guess what? The Cardinals won. So the Browns had never won the World Series. And they they ultimately moved. They, was, they were threatened to move to here or there. And ultimately they moved to Baltimore to become the Orioles. So, and and Brooks Robinson was on the teams that the original Oriole teams. When they won the World Series in 1966, which was an incredible upset because they defeated, they beat Sandy Koufax in the World Series, which was impossible. They beat Don Drysdale in the World Series, which seemed impossible. And when both of them were at their prime, and Brooks Robinson was a huge part of that. Not only did they was that the end of Sandy Koufax's career, not only did they topple the great Dodgers, that was the first ever championship in the history of that franchise and started a string of excellence that went right through the mid-80s. 
the Orioles between 1966 and 1983 were one of the most had one of the most successful runs in the history of baseball. And Brooks Robinson was there right up until you know, he was a regular until 1975, and still was playing on the team in 1977. And he had won the MVP. And the 1970 World Series was basically his showcase defensively. Just look up. I mean, I'll post them online. Just look up his dazzling plays that he made. Just robbing one extra base hit after another from a stacked Cincinnati Reds team. And then went on to lead the team in hitting, hitting huge home runs. But he was more than that. He was also this incredibly affable person. He was this incredibly nice person. He was a very kind person. I met him once in 2002. My dear friend, uh, Stephen Rosenthal, who was working for some online publication at the time, got me a press pass to come to an event, uh, a traveling Hall of Fame event that was going on at the Museum of Natural History. And, there were, and the Hall of Fame was doing a traveling show with some of their exhibits. On that day, there were many members of the Hall of Fame who were there. And, and for some reason, I had a, a, a press pass because he knew what it would mean to me. And there were lots of Hall of Famers who were there. And I got to meet some. Ozzie Smith was there. Phil Necro, I got to meet. Red Shandies was there. I got to meet Tony Perez. I got to meet Juan Marichal. Uh, there was huge crowds around Dave Woodenfield and Hank Aaron. And I couldn't really get past there. Had a, uh, I chatted with Sparky Anderson, who could not have been kinder, and I pointed out that I loved his cameo on the show WKRP in Cincinnati. Well, they had a station there, like a little area there. It was catered, and they had a station where there were hot dogs from all the different stadiums, and I went over there, and Brooks Robinson was there, and I was munching on a Dodger dog, and Brooks Robinson was chowing down on a corn dog, and I struck up a conversation with him. And he was a loud, positive extrovert. And he started talking to me about memories about you know playing tough pitchers. And to my absolute delight, he was talking about current players. And this was 2002. And at that time, the Braves had reacquired Vinny Castilla and had moved Chipper Jones back to the outfield and Brooks Robinson was mad about that because he felt that Chipper Jones was part of his kind of fraternity of great third baseman that he could see. Um, he felt a kinship with Chipper Jones and he thought, and he said someday he, he kind of pointed to the other hall of Famers. someday he'll join those. He'll join us. If he stays at third base, he was right. He was a big fan of Eric Chavez uh, who was playing for the A's at that time. And then, you know, people kind of scattered, and Brooks Robinson and I just were chatting. And you would have thought he was my uncle. And he just kept, he was a never ending reservoir of anecdotes, memories. And, um, and eventually, my friend Steve, who was, I was there to take pictures, he was beckoning me over so I could take a few pictures uh, of, of something. But, I was still talking with Brooks Robinson and I started to do the whole, I, I, I have to go. He never stopped talking, you know, Ken Singleton and Mr. Robinson, Mr. Robinson, you know, I just couldn't hit a knuckleball. 
Um, um, man, these those A's teams in the seventies with uh, Joe Rudy and oh man, they were really tough. I excuse me, Mr. Robinson. Man, those fans in Baltimore—they were something. I, I I have to go, and eventually, I had to interrupt myself to say, um, excuse me, Hall of Famer Brooks Robinson. Um, I got a scram, and he just wanted to keep talking. And my God, he was talking about Euro, and I, I could have listened to him for, you know, for hours. But I technically was there to, you know, be a photographer on some of these, uh, at this event. You know, that's how I got my press pass. But uh, I'll never forget just how Brooks Robinson was, just a chatterbox and so friendly, and seemed so genuine. And I. Pointed out to one of the other players, oh, Brooks Robinson is a really friendly guy. And a couple of them nodded and said, oh, yeah, Brooksy, Brooksy. So rest in peace, Brooks Robinson. Know that you'll have a spot in my In Memoriam video. And <laughs> I guarantee you, he if, if there is indeed a heaven, Brooks Robinson is there. And he's talking a lot of old-timers' ears off. So rest in peace. Someone who, if he's not the greatest third baseman of all time, he's certainly in the conversation. Let's get a special Robert DeMarco-themed question. Now, the reason I say that you may not like this question is because I know you're a Yankee fan. But we all know Terry Francona is retiring soon. Future Hall of Famer manager, managed the Red Sox to two World Series titles, was one swing away from managing Cleveland to a World Series title, got them all the way to Game 7 of the World Series in next innings. Now, here's a trivia question. How many current managers managing right now in the major leagues are players that Terry Francona managed? How many current major league managers as of 11.36 p.m. on the 26th day of September 2023, Pacific Daylight Time, how many current major league managers were one-time players managed by Terry Francona? That is your trivia question for today. So follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. That may be the best place to follow us from now on. And check out all the other great shows on the Locked On Podcast Network where it is your team every day. Talking about the Mariners striking back, the Brewers and the Phillies earning their way in, and the Cubs giving their fans a taste of, okay, it's still painful, but not as bad. Saying rest in peace to one of the greatest third basemen of all time. This is Locked On MLB for the 27th day of September 2023. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.